Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you again, Lord, asking you to open our hearts to your word, Lord, as we contemplate it, Lord. And uh, Lord, help me to be clear as I present your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I had a, an amazing grandmother. Well, two amazing grandmothers, but one died when I was very young. And uh, this grandmother I'm talking about was the mother of my mom, and she ran a small grocery store in Westbury, New York, about an hour uh, east of New York City on Long Island. She ran that until her husband passed away in the mid-60s, and after that she stayed for us on the farm where I grew up all summer long. And she had so many intriguing stories from the 30s and 40s that me and my brother and sisters would stay up until late at night and listen to her tell them. And they were stories of holdups when she chased away the thieves with a broomstick and robberies where she did the detective work and, and found out who the crooks were and had them arrested. And, Stories that were even more amazing considering her, her, her petite stature. She had incredible boldness because she had incredible faith in God and in his protection. Well, Grandma shared her faith with everyone everywhere, and often to the embarrassment of her grandchildren. She wouldn't let a person go by talking to them without sharing her faith. But what impressed me the most about my dear grandma as I got older and as I rose up each morning to do the farm chores was her prayer life. Every morning when I got up, she was there kneeling at her bedside, praying intensely. And every evening when I, when I would go to bed, she was there kneeling at her bedside, praying intensely. It was the most incredible thing. And that was her time with God and no one else, though she did leave the door partly opened as if to, to say we were invited if we wished to. And I know that I was included in her prayers. And I remember when she died, my, my main thought was who's gonna fill her shoes? She was at another level in prayer than any other Christian that I've ever known. And perhaps, I should have asked her what Jesus' disciples asked her, teach us to pray. But isn't it great that we still have Jesus' word and Jesus' spirit to teach us even today? Well, Luke 11 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. You see, Jesus' disciples had witnessed Jesus praying, sometimes all night long, and they wanted to pray like Jesus. They heard that John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray, and they wanted that lesson from Jesus. They also knew that their own prayer life was lacking in comparison to Jesus's, so they asked him. And he said to them, when you pray, Say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is transcendent and holy. He is spirit and he's in heaven, so we cannot see him. And yet he is our Father if we are united with him by relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. We must recognize that in our prayers to him. 
acknowledge that privilege and that intimacy that we have through His Son, Jesus, by faith and by His sacrifice for us, for our sins. We have to acknowledge that God is holy, far above us, and yet Jesus won that adoption privilege for us. So God accepts us as His own through His Son, Jesus. Praise Praise His holiness as you come to Him in prayer. His name is holy, and yet He is your Father. That makes you holy too, being in His family, holy in Jesus as you submit to Jesus. Your kingdom come. Acknowledge acknowledge God's kingdom, that it exists and that you are in it and you anticipate its coming to earth. Pray for it to come as Jesus taught us. Pray for it to come when peace and justice will finally reign here. Jesus told us to pray for that. Be faithful in that duty and pray your will be done. We pray that not so much as to force God's hand, uh, that his, to force his will into action, but to submit to his will ourselves and thus do his will. You know, we can accept God's will to our aid or we can reject it to our detriment. Luke 7.30 says the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. In other words, by not repenting and being baptized by John, these people, their hearts um, remained closed to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for them, and they were damned because of that. We must Accept God's will for our lives. Your will be done. We pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is always executed in heaven because all those who opposed God's will in heaven were cast out of it. God's will on earth is not executed simply because those who oppose it have not yet been cast out. God has extended his mercy to the disobedient for a time, but that time will soon come to an end. Give us day by day our daily bread. We depend on God for both our physical and spiritual nourishment. He provides us for us physically and he provides for us spiritually and sustains us thereby. But we have to partake. He doesn't force feed us. We have to partake of spiritual food, of his word, through our minds and into our hearts, just as we partake of the natural food through our mouths and into our stomachs. We have to partake of God's word, read it, study it, allow his Holy Spirit to use it to change us. Moving on to verse four, Jesus said, and forgive our sins in that prayer, forgive our sins. We constantly depend on God for forgiveness because without that forgiveness, we couldn't come to God at all. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us. Well, do we? It is God's will that we do. In Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And a few verses down from that, Jesus added, for if you forgive men their if you if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's heavy. It is essential to our spiritual life and spiritual success that we forgive one another. It is essential to communion with God and for hearing Him and for Him honoring our prayers. Jesus goes on, and do not lead us into temptation. And, and that is interesting, considering what we saw a few weeks ago as the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But the same Greek word can also mean testing. And sometimes the devil turns God's testing into temptation. In the Garden of Eden, for, for instance, God gave the command to our ancestors and the devil turned that command into a temptation. He presented it or advertised what was disallowed as something that was good. That's how he works. The devil tempts us by presenting things to us that appeal to our fleshly desires. And we can also look at the tests of Abraham. Uh, you know, God promised him a son through Sarah, and he tested him, making him wait many years until she was well beyond childbearing years. And Abraham's own wife, in this case, presented a tempting alternative in, in Hagar, turning a test of God into a temptation. Now, what's easier, I ask? What's easier, avoiding temptation altogether or resisting it? Well, avoiding it altogether is always easier than resisting it. But sometimes we relish the thought of the temptation for too long, just as some people, for example, enjoy planning and anticipating uh, their, their vacation just as much as that vacation, as having the vacation themselves. The anticipation is good in, in planning a vacation, but it's not good, of course, in considering sin. We must avoid thinking about the temptation as much as we can. And Jesus showed in the Sermon on the, on the Mount that if you imagine sin in your hearts, if you take it in and, and consider it, it's already done. It was conceived and relished in your heart. And that's where you went wrong. The prayer, do not lead us into, into temptation, is acknowledging that we would, not, we would rather not even be tested at all so to avoid any possibility of temptation from the devil. It's acknowledging our own weakness. It's acknowledging um, our constant dependency on God, and that is always good. When we have confidence in ourselves over sin, that's when we fail. It is saying, God, please keep us from sinning and deliver us from the evil one. That too is, is a constant prayer. And Jesus continued. He continued to teach his disciples 
on the subject of prayer as he moved in, uh, as we read in verse 5, he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. With this, I picture uh, the friend probably going to the wall of that house where he knew the family was sleeping and he, he knew that the mom or dad would wake up first and is himself not really considering the consequences of waking the, the children and such. And he's thinking more of his visitor and the urgency of, of his need. And the neighbor he is bothering, well, he's thinking of his own family's need of peaceful rest and sleep. In verse 8, he says, or Jesus says, I say to you, though he, the neighbor, will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Jesus said in verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Well, the lesson here is don't be shy to ask and keep asking. Go for it and do not give up. Be persistent. I tell you, I have first-hand experience in this from the responding position to my children. You know, I love all of my children, of course, but one of them in particular gets what she asks more than any of the others simply because of her persistence. And I can talk about it today because none of them are here, of course. Uh, but back when she was little, and uh, when we had only two bedrooms in the house, uh, and she shared one of them with two of her siblings, she was convinced that she could live in the small storage room of our basement without any windows. And I said, no, I was totally against it, and, uh, and, uh, and said she couldn't do it, but she didn't stop hounding me about it. She kept on begging me to build her a bed in that room and she said she'll be good there and, and there'll be more peace in the house if she moves there and everything. And she bugged me about it until I cleaned out the storage room and I built a bed in there for her and it took me a few days to get all of that done and she stayed there for one night. <laughs> That's the power of persistence though and, and I'll leave you to guess which, which child it was but, uh, but we'll move on. <laughs> I'm sure that our persistence does not bug God when we ask for good things but it certainly does bug him when we ask for things that would be bad and harmful for us. But here in the gospel story, in this example of, of a person asking their neighbor for, for bread, this is a good thing. Uh, he's doing it for his visiting friend. And of course, God does not have limitations like that neighbor uh, had uh, in the parable. And Jesus is simply encouraging us not to be passive in prayer, but to be persistent in our prayers, especially for others.
And this prayer is, is often one that I use when, when I'm feeling uninspired and, and yet I need to preach a message from God. I say, Lord, I have no bread. Please give me some so that I can pass it on to those you have sent to me. And he's faithful. And from there, Jesus moves on to sonship. In verse 11, he says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, in other words, being fathers with a sinful or flawed nature, and evil in comparison to God, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, what's that mean? Well, here we, we must remember that Jesus is speaking to his disciples who are in need of the Holy Spirit in order to pray like Jesus prayed. That's our context. Jesus is speaking about prayer. Jesus could teach them the words to pray, but that still wouldn't be all that they needed to pray like Jesus prayed because they were not filled with the Holy Spirit as Jesus was. So Jesus is in essence telling them that there is more to it than that, that they need to begin their journey of prayer by asking the Father to give them the Holy Spirit. Now this is a bit puzzling on, because of where it is in the gospel with respect to the fact that the Holy Spirit had not been given as he was later on given after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven. But we also have to remember that in Luke's gospel, four figures besides Jesus before this were said to be filled with the Holy Spirit or, have, or to have had the Holy Spirit upon them. And, and they spoke by him before that. John the Baptist, both his parents, uh, his mother Elizabeth and father Zacharias, and Simeon in the temple at Jesus' dedication prayed in the Spirit. And Mary, Jesus' mother, should also probably be included in that as she also prophesied. And we should also remember that all the prophets of the Old Testament spoke and prayed and wrote by the Holy Spirit. So why not ask as Jesus' disciples? It could be just like we are encouraged in 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to earnestly desire and pray for the best spiritual gifts. Jesus is, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to pray this way for the Holy Spirit, whether the person or power of the Holy Spirit, what we need most in order to pray right is the Holy Spirit. We cannot do without the Holy Spirit in prayer. And we should always remember that. We should always um, pray for the Holy Spirit as we begin to, for the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's help in, in our prayers and the Holy Spirit praying through us. That is most important in prayer. And Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Prayer is vitally important for, 
for Jesus' church. In Ephesians 6, 17 to 18 tells us we should take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And I'm sure that goes for, for sinners as well. I want to close just simply by, by thanking the Lord for the good news that, uh, that we received this week. Uh, most of you know about the man that I met in Cayman Brock that I uh, visited three different times when I was there this spring. Um, he was a man that was lost and I felt God was in our meeting together and I, in my meetings with him, I also learned that there was a local minister that was visiting him and praying for him and I contacted that minister although I never met him in person and together we we prayed for this man and I knew we were called to pray and of course I gave all of you the assignment to pray for for that man after the meetings that I had with him and uh, you joined in and I got the news uh, just on Friday that he gave his life to the Lord in the hospital. So we thank, thank the Lord for that. Yes. Oh, we can do a bigger call for that. Thank you. So, so let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for, for your faithfulness, Lord. And Lord, thank you for the assignments that you give us to pray, not only for one another, but for, Lord, those who are lost in this world without you, Lord. And we thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit. You gave us your Holy Spirit for this purpose. Help us, Lord, to use what you have given us uh, to bring this victory, Lord, in, in the lives of others, Lord. And we thank you for uh, saving uh, this man, Futz, and we pray that you will, Lord, continue to work in the others that, that we have um, asked you to, to save, including my daughter, Ariel. In Jesus' name, amen.